Kids, I'm going to start with a word for you. And certainly adults, please listen in and hopefully the, the Lord Jesus would apply it to you as well. Kids, I want to give you a tip for life right now. There is one question that you are going to be trying to answer for the rest of your life. Some people will try to answer it for you. Maybe your parents, maybe your teachers, maybe your friends. It's a simple question, but it can be really hard to answer. And this question is this, who are you? Who are you? Maybe you're thinking, duh, I'm John, I'm Susie, I'm Johnny. But it's a deeper question than that. It's not just what is your name. It's like, what are you about? What's different about you? What makes you special compared to anyone else? Now you're probably shrugging your shoulders thinking, I don't know, Pastor Didi, I'm five. Or perhaps you're thinking, I don't know. I don't know what's special about me. Well, think about it in some different ways. What are some qualities or characteristics that either your, your family members, your friends say, hey, this is something that's really special about you, different about you, unique about you. What is something that your friends would say that you're really good at? That's something that sometimes is who we describe who we are. Those are sometimes the kinds of things that we turn to to answer that question for us, who are you? Perhaps uh, if you're, when you grow up, and this is what grown-ups do, they often answer this question, who are you, with the answer of their job. So they might say, I am a doctor, I am a nurse, I am a teacher, I am an actor, I am a pastor, I am a builder, I am a janitor. I know, grown-ups can be really boring by answering who are you with their job. Well, I'll just give you some examples from my own life that I have with me right here. The first example I want to give, a little show and tell, here's a big stack of books. It's a big stack of books because for a long time I thought who I was when I was growing up in elementary school, in, 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 in middle school, in high school, I thought like who I was was the smart kid. I thought I was pretty smart. I learned later on that I wasn't as smart as I thought I was, but I thought I was smart. So these books represent me thinking I was really smart. Now, when I kind of hit middle school and high school, I became really sporty. I wasn't that sporty in elementary school, and basketball was, was my favorite sport, is my favorite sport. And so I thought maybe who I am is a basketball player. I dreamed of a, as a 5'7 Chinese kid in Hong Kong that I would maybe one day make the NBA. How foolish I was. That never happened. But I loved basketball and Sometimes I would think the answer to the question, who are you, was I'm a basketball player. Another thing, oh, you might not be able to see this, but let's see how close we can get. This is a certificate of excellence that I wrote to myself. It says it's awarded to Dee Dee Wong for excellence in niceness, signed today by me. I thought for the longest time that who I was was the nice guy. That's who I am. I'm the nice guy. And I would maybe not say that to people, but I would think that in myself. If everyone, anyone asked me, who are you? I'm like, I'm, I'm, the nice, I'm the nice guy. And these were some ways in which I answered that question. Who are you? I'm the smart guy. I'm the basketball player. I'm the nice guy. And I really realized over time that those were not really at the core of who I am. 
you might try to answer that question, who are you, as you grow up in some of those kinds of ways. But the most important person to answer that question is actually Jesus. In a devotional that I read with my kids this week in this book, and if you don't have it, you should get it. Tell your parents to get it. Thoughts that make your heart sing. In a devotional that I did with my kids this week, the, the topic or the, the title was, Who Are You? was very much what we just talked about. And I'm just going to show you the picture, but here's the picture of the page that we looked at this week. Who are you? You see these two kids, they got these name tags, right? So kind of this idea of like, who are you? What is your name? What's special about you? And the one thing that this uh, devotional said about this question of who are you, the devotional said, the Bible tells us that the most important thing about us is that you are the one that Jesus loves. You are the one that Jesus loves. And I hope that that is something that you take heart with, that whatever you may be good at, whether it's a quality or characteristic or a skill, that the most important thing you know about who you are is that you are the one that Jesus loves. It actually brings us to an even more important question because it's hard to answer that question, who are you, if you don't know who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who made you. He's the one who created you. He is the one who knit you together in your, your, your mom's belly when you were not even born yet. He knows your name. He knows who you are. And so the passage we're looking at today asks a different question. Asks the question of, who is this Jesus? And sometimes we have to ask that question first before we can answer the question, who are you? We have to answer the question for ourselves, who is this Jesus? And as we look at this passage today, and I hope you stick in it for the rest of the message, but I hope that you do continue to spend the rest of your life asking that question, who is this Jesus? So that you may also know the, the answer to the question, who are you? All right, we're going to dive into the text today, but just a little bit summary. Again, this might be a very familiar passage, and, and we know whether it's from the Gospel of Luke or the Gospel of Matthew, this account of Jesus going into Jerusalem after spending years of ministry with his, his disciples and his followers. We know that, that Jesus is making his way to the cross. We know that the Pharisees have made this commitment to kill Jesus because they believe he's blasphemous. We believe that they believed that he's blasphemous and they believe that he was threatening their power. And we know that Jesus would be confronted by the Pharisees in Jerusalem over the Passover. In fact, Jesus warned his disciples in chapter 20, verse 17. He made it very clear to them. He said there, and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him, con condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and he will be raised on the third day. I think we know that the disciples weren't even really sure what to make of those words, but Jesus said it as plainly as possible and it's easy for us to understand uh, in hindsight. But today's passage is known as the triumphal entry. And today, Palm Sunday, and the people of Jerusalem were stirred up 
as they saw Jesus coming into Jerusalem and they reverently received him and they laid down their cloaks and palm leaves for him as he entered into Jerusalem. And so Jesus entered Jerusalem like a king, but we know he would leave like an executed criminal in a body bag. And we make a big deal about Palm Sunday as Christians because when we look back in history, we believe that Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem was exactly as it should have been. Jesus entered as king because he is the king of kings. He is the king of the universe. Jesus was left for dead, but he was vindicated by raising from the dead three days after he was crucified, defeating the power of sin and death. But we can't forget these reverent cheers and the humble laying down of cloaks would not last long. We can't forget that this question the crowd asked as Jesus entered, who is this? It's a question that really in hindsight is quite haunting because we know what happens after Jesus enters Jerusalem. And so for us as, as Christians, and maybe you're tuning in today and you're, you're not a believer, it's a great time to consider or reconsider this question for yourself. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus to us? And so I want to start by asking you that question, asking you to answer this very simple question, who is Jesus to you? And so seriously, I'm going to pause for a few seconds here so you can hear your own thoughts. Answer this question in your head right now. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? I wonder what thoughts went on in your head. Did you start getting some really long-winded answer in your own head? As adults and adult Christians, we have become so used to trying to give really smart-sounding answers to simple questions. Smart-sounding answers that sometimes get so complicated, we're not even clear to ourselves what's the essence of that answer. So I'm going to simplify the question for you and have you answered in your head again. All right, you ready? Who is Jesus to you in one word? Who is Jesus to you in one word? All right, if, if you're with your spouse or your family, I want you to just don't pay attention to me for a second and just tell each other what is that one word answer you gave. I'm even gonna make those present here, maybe call out what was the one word that, came to your mind as I asked you that question? Hope. Lord. Savior. I do wonder, what, what were the words that you guys said in your heads or to one another um, in your living rooms right now? I wonder maybe some of the answers were King, Lord, Savior, or master, or teacher, or shepherd, or savior, or redeemer, or deliverer, or rescuer, or provider, or prophet, or priest, or lover, or bridegroom, or beloved, or advocate, or mediator, or Emmanuel, or word, or light, or bread of life, 
or hope or joy or grace or joy or purpose or meaning. Any one of those words would have been a great answer to that question. And it just illustrates that Jesus is this multifaceted God, that there is so much beauty to who he is, so much beauty. He's like this uniquely rare and multifaceted diamond that we could spend all eternity admiring and exploring and worshiping from every angle. The one word that jumped to your mind tells you something about what you value in God, in Jesus. What is the defining quality for, for you for that question, who is Jesus? And if that one, that one word or name of Jesus that came to your mind is one that is, is, is either directly or indirectly revealed in Scripture to be uh, descriptive of who God is, then rejoice in that quality that is so meaningful to you. But remember, there are so many more facets to who Jesus is, so many more names for Jesus that are given to us to admire, to explore, and to worship Jesus for who he is. In the Gospels, as people related to Jesus, they often answered this question, who is this Jesus, in four main ways. Firstly, he was prophet or rabbi to people. Scripture says Jesus taught with authority. And even in this very passage, when the crowd asked, who is this? The answer they got was, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Sounds good, but maybe a little bit narrow description of who Jesus is. It's correct, but is he just a prophet? And that makes us ask the question, when we come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus as the prophet, will we only hear what we want to hear? Or do we just, or will we come with ears wanting our ears to be tickled rather than our hearts challenged? Another way that Jesus, um, the question for who is this Jesus, how it's answered is two, is, is number two is miracle worker. We see in the gospels, he healed, he drove out demons, he, he fed thousands with a handful of loaves and loaves of bread and fish. He calmed the storm. So he is a miracle worker, that's truth. But will we only see him as a miracle worker? Will we only come to him as spectators of grand signs? Right now, churches around the world are, are, are forced to live stream their worship services because we're wanting to protect one another from the transmission of this COVID-19. But here's a question when we are able to return to gathered worship, when it's safe for us to do so, will some be tempted to continue on worshiping at home, alone, through some kind of individual, live stream, virtual worship, forsaking gathered worship and the commitment to one another as a, as a local body of Christ? Will they become spectators of Jesus rather than a body of believers joined together by Jesus. The third answer that was often given was that Jesus is Messiah. He came as fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, as the deliverer of Israel. But many could not grasp Jesus' teaching when he said he came, as, it talked about in, as he talked about in Matthew 20, that he came as a, a lamb to be slaughtered rather than as a king to conquer Rome. 
that he came to lay down his life rather than to take lives? Do we mostly like the part of Jesus where he promises to conquer the people we don't like? Conquer our foes, conquer our fears. Do we like that part of Jesus, but not so much the part where he calls us to follow in his footsteps of laying down our lives just as he did? Do we want him to be Messiah just for our own sake or for the sake of humanity? The fourth main way that this question of who is this Jesus answered is Son of God. A name that finally brings some recognition to Jesus that he's not just a great teacher or a great miracle worker or a great warrior king. Rather that Jesus, the Son of God, is divine and therefore must be submitted to in order to truly relate to him as he is. We can't just make him our great teacher or miracle worker or, or warrior. We must come to him willing to submit to him as the divine son of God who has revealed himself to be the lamb of God slain for us that we are to follow daily in his footsteps of laying down our lives for God and for others. Throughout the Gospels, and we see it here in this passage as well, Jesus was followed by many people who wanted to hear him preach, who wanted to see him perform miracles. But the Gospels distinguish between the disciples and the crowd. The disciples and the crowd. Both groups wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, both groups wanted to see what Jesus was doing. Both groups followed Jesus around, seeing what he did next. But the crowds didn't commit their lives to Jesus. They didn't commit to following Jesus. The disciples instead dedicated their lives to Jesus. The crowds followed Jesus to watch as long as they liked the show that Jesus was putting on. The disciples followed Jesus, to give their lives in relationship with Jesus. Are you one of the crowd or one of the disciples? Which one fits you best? Are you one who followed Jesus into Jerusalem, but then in just a few days were happy to crucify him when you became disillusioned with him? Or will you follow Jesus, willing to go to your very own death, like many of the apostles and disciples did in the early church. Look, even the best of disciples, even Peter, who so boldly proclaimed his faith in the Son of God, failed Jesus when it mattered most. We're all able to do that. Perhaps the Lord has laid on your heart today that you have been acting like a convenient crowd follower. There's no better time than, that, no better time than today to turn from your ways and turn to Jesus, the living God who loves you and has laid down his life for you. And he laid down his life for your failures and for your fickle following. He did that for you and for all of us. There's no better time than today to turn to Jesus from being one of the crowd to being one of his disciples. Perhaps you've been living your life as a disciple of Jesus, but you know how inconsistent you have been, how you can functionally denounce Jesus like Peter did when you should have announced Jesus and your faith in him, how often you've grasped at your own life rather than be willing to lay down your life. 
Look, there's so much fear and anxiety going on in the world right now. And it's so easy to just hunker down, care for yourself and for the ones you care about most. And we need to do those things. But we also need to continue to explore what does it mean in these times to love and serve the other, the ones that are forgotten, the ones that we don't even think about, the ones that we come across but don't even think that we need to care for. Yes, we need to practice social distancing, but it doesn't mean that we can't continue to live out the mission that God has given us. Jesus has set us free from doing any of these things out of, out of a need to prove to him or to ourselves because he's already counted us as perfectly righteous by our faith in him and his perfect righteousness. We can lay down our lives because we have nothing left to prove, because we have nothing to grasp onto. We see God's perfect love for us and we can follow in his footsteps. I just want to end with this thought. This Palm Sunday, I encourage you to ask yourself that question again. Who is this Jesus to me? But my hope is that you will relate to Jesus more and more for who he has revealed himself to be, the son of God who laid down his life for you, and that you will go out into this world following in his footsteps. Let us pray.